We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is January 6th, 2015. I'm DJ Trainer, joined as always on Wednesdays by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshHayesFS. You can find myself at TrainerDJ. That's T R A I. N-O-R-D-J. It's always in the show notes in case you'd like to look for it. 
This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher, also on the Rotowire website itself underneath the podcast tabs. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. We'd love to have it. There were four games in the association last night, Josh. We're winding ever closer to the NBA All-Star Game. Before we kick things off here and go over the box scores, what's your pulse on the NBA at this point in the year? Well, first I need to do a, a like a like a host check right now. So I need to ask you host how are you how are you doing? Um, how's it going? Are you uh, does you 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 have a girlfriend? I'm correct. Is that is that right? <laughs> wow, is this a wow? All right, host check. It is. Yeah, I got a girlfriend. Going well. Okay. How is she well. handling the the level of groupiness that's happening no, since you've been doing the regular spots on NBA TV? <laughs> uh, you're blowing this way out of proportion. Um, she's handling it well. Um, she's still with right. me. I'm still with her. Things right. are going well. Um, you know, I've had lots Just, of offers, uh, lots of suitors out there because of this thing. But uh, you know, we're we're staying strong. All right, that's cool. As I imagine that, like one of you two, like when you go out on a date out there, out on the town in, in uh, the fine area of Madison, Wisconsin, maybe downtown. All right, um, that one of you has to carry like some sort of like walking stick, sort of like daredevil. You know what I mean? To just sort of beat groupies out of the way on your way to the restaurant. You're just like to the side, groupies. Ha ha! You're like swatting left and right. What? <laughs> am I getting that correctly? Uh, no, 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 I, nobody knows who I am and nobody will ever know who I am. Josh, you're blowing this way out of proportion. Yeah, you can kind of, you can find me on NBA TV every now and then on the fantasy tip off show, but, um, you know, not a big deal. I'm, I'm still just an average Joe. Um, it's just not, you're blowing it way out of proportion. I'm That's fine. That's not what I heard, bro. That is not what I heard. You're on national TV on NBA TV every single week. All right, I just imagine that you're just like as soon as you come out, I was like, I'm just like, I'm waiting for Teams Esports to catch you in a photo no. one of these days. Before no. I was like, well, you know, that's DJ, that's that's uh, DJ trainer life, that's host life when you're on NBA TV. You know what I mean? Just like, boom, as soon as you j- jump out of the car, Teams is in your face snapping photos. So yeah, I'm blushing so much right now. Thank, thanks. I mean, I love all the credit. I mean, you're doing big takes. 120 Sports, you're the man. Tyler and Beller love you. I, you know what I haven't told you is on every segment I ever do on 120 Sports, they always mention you. Like, always. And I actually said on the last one before New Year's, I said, uh, you know, they're like, thanks, DJ, for joining us, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? My New Year's resolution is to talk about Josh Hayes more on my segments. <laughs> And they all agreed it was a good idea. They love you over there. You're the man. You're you're cooler than I am. All right, thanks, man. Those are those are my guys. They're a lot of fun. So they they take the jokes pretty well. I try to give give them some good stuff. So they're they're uh, great to work with. And it, it, that's probably one of the, like my highlights aside from you know trying to uh, figure out how I can be DJ trainer in my own life here out here on the West Coast. So all right. let's let's uh, let's just talk about some basketball. Let's bond over some basketball. Let's put our our, our mild fa- uh, fame aside. If you could call it fame, uh, I'll just let's talk about the Knicks and the Hawks. There's no good. There's no good segue into this whatsoever. The Knicks won 107 to 101. Your man Kristaps Porzingis plays 32 minutes, gets 17 points, 11 rebounds. Just a nice little double double for for him. Carmelo Anthony 23 points, 11 or 11 rebounds, seven assists. Looking at the Hawks side of thing, your ho-hum Hawks box score, nobody scores more than 19 points, but the starters, nobody scores less than 12 points. It's usually what the Hawks kind of do. The one thing I was really interested after watching this game um, 
was that Porzingis and Ken Bazemore got into it a little uh, bit. Yeah. And, and that was fun because, of course, Bazemore is about a foot shorter than Porzingis. But what I really liked is that everybody on the court, including Calderon and Carmelo Anthony, jumped to the side of Porzingis. And what that tells me right away is that they like this guy. He's a good locker room guy. And I know I like I might be getting, you know, you know, ropey dopey for you or whatever. But there's a lot of guys in the league who their teammates wouldn't do that be- for them. And so what that shows me is that Porzingis is, you know, it's just one more notch to like the guy and like his career trajectory. Yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. Porzingis, to me, that would look like some WWE, like cage match stuff. You know what I mean? Like they just announced the title fight at SummerSlam and it's, you know, Kent <laughs> Bazemore versus Porzingis. So it's like, whoa, showdown. You know what I mean? Somebody, somebody's going to get the Intercontinental belt. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, for overall, what I took away from this game is, you know, Porzingis is getting back to a good level of production. I mean, he's still a little bit, um, you know, inconsistent in spots, but, um, you do like the 17, 11 with the, with the efficiency and you didn't even make a three and still scored 17 points. So that's nice. You definitely love Carmelo doing Carmelo things, eight of 22, which is awesome. And they still win somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. Seven assists. I don't know what Derek Fisher did. To sort of talk Carmel Anthony into freeing the ball from his clutches, um, but that's amazing uh, for Carmel Anthony. I feel like that's like watching Rajon Rondo go get twenty dimes. Carmelo at seven—that's what it's equivalent to. It's like you might not never get seven dimes out of Carmelo again. I'm being dead serious here. So that's awesome. They almost blew this game too. Knicks had this game well in hand. They're like, well, we'll see if we can let the Hawks right back into this game. You know, with like a double-digit lead for the majority of the second half until uh, the Hawks start chipping into it there. So, yeah, the only thing I'm going to say about this for the Hawks is like you're not really impressed or concerned about anything that happened in the box score for Atlanta, except for the fact that Dennis Schroeder finally freed himself from the DMP CD doghouse. So I don't know what he did. Maybe he bought, you know, um, like a little meatloaf or something for, uh, you know, like, um, uh, what is it? Um, Budenzinger? I feel like um, Budenholzer. I feel like Bolsinger, Budenholzer, Budenholzer. I feel like the the manager and rookie of the year. Do you remember that movie? Oh, <laughs> barely. His, yeah, I remember his his last name was like uh, I forget what it was, and he keeps call, he keeps butchering butchering it every single time. He's like razzle dazzle, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, rookie of the year. He, that's the one where he catches the ball and he has the surgery on his arm and then he throws it from the outfield to home play and they're like, who's right. that? And the kid? manager has Bring no idea in. what his last name is. I knew his last name forever and all of a sudden I just went like total like two year old on the whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh. Mike Budenholzer. It's okay. It's a tough one. Budenholzer. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say bowl singer. I was like, nope, that's a daughter's pitcher. <laughs> um, you know, Heisenberg. No, wrong show. Uh, yeah, I just I, I lost it completely. But all thing we need to know is he made up with um, Coach Mike, and he got 25 minutes there, and there he go. successfully uh, ate into Jeff Teague's value. So congratulations to you, Jeff Teague owners. You officially hate Dennis Shooter once again. Yep, we're back to normalcy. It seems you know Shooter is a guy that carries himself with a lot of confidence. We we really saw that during the off season. Him saying that he'd like to start one day, and 
in order to get through to guys like that, you kind of just have to sit them on the bench and publicly shame them. And so whatever he was doing wrong, I bet he's not going to do it wrong anymore. We've got Shelvin Mack back to that D, uh, DNP coach's decision, uh, more so what it should have been. So if anybody is in an incredibly deep league where they picked up Shelvin Mack, it's probably safe to drop him back onto the waiver wire where he belongs. Yet again, I looked up Carmelo Anthony's assist totals, by the way. Very, very surprising, first of all. Um, he's averaging 3.7 this year, which for a small forward power forward is actually pretty good. He's had totals. He's reached up into 9, 8, and 7 last night was actually his third best performance. So I was very shocked to see that. He's got three totals of 6, three totals of 5, and a whole host of four four assist games. So maybe Porzingis is uh, softening the heart of Carmelo Anthony just a little bit and Carmelo Anthony's heart is growing just a little bit more, and he's distributing that ball. Who knows? Things change. Time time changes everything. Let's keep it moving, though, Josh. Milwaukee Bucks just can't seem to catch a break here. They lose to the Bulls 117-106. to Jabari Parker, 11 points, 7 rebounds. Now, me and Nick always love to talk about the Bucks because he's a big Bucks guy. Um, but I do want your take on this. Um, there's kind of a growing talk out there in the media world that, you know, Jabari Parker's not quite living up to expectations. Now, this is – he hasn't even played a full calendar year in the NBA yet because he had that injury last year so he's still somewhat of a rookie if you want to look at it like that but one thing that Nick Whalen says is you know I look at Jabari Parker and I don't think of him as the next future NBA star I think of him as right now he's like the third or fourth option on a bad team and he's more of a Derek Williams type where he attacks the basket but can't extend the court and shoot the three are you in that same line of thinking or are we jumping to to a conclusion here on Jabari Parker when he still hasn't been in the league for that long i think it's way too early for for the jury to be out on him first of all i mean if you're going to give him the shot volume then and then and then call him sort of like a, like a semi bust or whatever like Derek Derek williams hey that's pretty strong that's some serious dis disery if that came out of my mouth and i was you know jabari parker he'd probably punch me you know what i mean I was like, Don't well sty- style of game is kind of similar where they attack the basket they can't right. really you know their shot the shot isn't going down very high draft pick it's not saying that he won't have a long nba career but in mm-hmm. terms of being drafted that high and being the number one option on a team i mean things are leaning that way more so than any other way there's the problem. You got a Tentacumpo who takes 17 shots, which is the best player on the team in my mind. And I would actually been screaming for him to take more shots because I think he's got the most talent on the team. And like you know, he's got like uh, you know, if he can get there and figure out how to do it, like a McGrady type upside. You know, overall, I don't think he's ever going to get to that spot because you know, there's just you have Greg Monroe who shot five of 18. Greg Monroe is getting shots no matter what, whether or not he's rolling or not, he's going to keep chucking it up. Okay, then you got Carter Williams who you want to be the distributor, and he did an excellent job, and he's been playing phenomenally actually the past couple weeks, twelve assists, but also take fourteen shots. So those shots, and you know, those shots were good shots apparently because he shot nine of fourteen. So those are going to come out of Jabari Parker's um, you know mouth, so to speak. And then you have you know um, Chris Middleton who's been also rolling and went ten for twenty one on fire from three hit five five trays so my question is like what do you want out of jabari parker right now jamari parker is like you know harrison barnes in my mind like on another team he would be he could be a 20 point scorer you put harrison barnes on like philly or you know some, some of the other the lakers or whatever he'll get 20 any night you want it same thing with jabari parker jabari parker to me profiles more like like somewhere between big dog and mellow and 
in their early in their careers. Like they were the best thing they did was like hit an 18 foot jumper and they could dribble off the floor and they played big for their position. Like they could play, they were big for a three and could play like an undersized stretch four because they're you know they're good scores inside and out. And they just need the shots. The difference is is Big Dog was you know it was him and Ray Allen, so he got a good amount of shots and he could get his scoring volume up there. And and Carmelo everywhere he was was the guy. Jabari Parker's on there, and he's got the, the 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 fewest amount of shot attempts out of all the starters in the lineup there. So I mean, I don't know what you really expect out of out of him overall. I, I don't want to be too harsh about it. I, I think eleven and seven for you know for that volume is fine. He's got the same problem that Ben McLemore does. Like you know, he has the talent to produce more, but the you've the the, the talent that's on currently on the team is better right now, and so you can't just ask them to take a back seat just so you can develop your your top pick. You know, it's like you're not going to have DeMarcus Cousins or Rudy Gay, you know, or even Rajon Rondo take a backseat just so Ben Lackmore can further his NBA development. They're not going to do that with Parker. So Parker's basically screwed is basically what I'm saying. You know, I don't know when you're going to get a great game out of him. Probably every so often is what's going to happen. So then – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. Sorry, Sorry. That's the last thing I'm going to say. Like, I don't never, I don't have high expectations for him. I'm not going to fault him for averaging like, you know, 10 points and seven boards a game or, or, or whatever. When he's on this roster that has a lot of talent that's underperformed. So there, there you have it. So in that case then, and I've brought this up and, and call me an extremist if you want to, but uh, you know, maybe you'd want to call me forward thinking as well. If there's no room for Jabari Parker to shoot, and maybe they won't ever have – I mean over the next couple of years, I mean you're still going to have this dynamic where these guys are further along. Then what about trading Jabari Parker while he still has this um, upside, if you want to use that word, upside to a team that thinks you know, maybe he is a future franchise all-star and the face of a franchise. If there's simply not a place for him on this team, why have him? Well, the problem is, is like I mean who- – what are you going to do? what are you going to get in return? Like well, if you you know you trade him to a team where he could be useful, like the Sixers or some of these other bottom barrel teams, they're not going to have a piece that you want back in, in most cases, you know. So, overall, so I mean, like what would actually probably work pretty well for this team since they, they're so offensive minded and they can use is like a you know you know what who actually would be pretty good like if you could talk the, the Bulls into giving them Joakim Noah, that would be perfect. For, for that team. If they could somehow work out a Jabari Parker for Joakim Noah trade, that might work out be, like really well for both teams there as well. Because you could have Jabari Parker at the three. The three is an absolute hole for the Bulls right now. They keep ro- rotating. Like Miritich is fine, but he's not really a three. You know that. I know that. You know, he's he's a uh, he his game scoring wise plays like a three, but he's big, bigger, you know, and more well suited body wise to, to, to guard fours there um as well and then you take Joakim Noah off the roster then you don't have to worry about where Pau Gasol plays because he just plays center there and then you have Jabari Parker at the three but you're also going to have he's also going to be in a sort of similar situation where there's better scorers on the team than him but you know it would be like a like a better natural fit uh overall and you know they could and Greg Monroe wouldn't have to play center anymore because they could just put Joakim Noah in there so if they could make that happen I think that would be like optimal um for both teams yeah I don't I I don't know a it's it's tough with the Bucks because we still have this, you know, there's still this glitter around Jabari Parker and uh, Jabari for Jakeem Noah, who's an older guy, and sure he will help you because the Bucks need defensive rebounding uh, or really rebounding all over the place, and they need a rim protector as well. One of the things I said, what about going to the Sixers? You trade John Henson and Jabari Parker for Nerlens Noel and Robert Covington because one thing the Bucks also need is a legitimate three-point shooter. And I just ultimately, you know, I've been talking about that stuff and we've been talking about trades, but 
I think the Bucks just aren't quite ready to make a move like that. Maybe in a couple years when they're a four or five seed and then they just need one more piece or a change of a piece or something like that to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, then it makes more sense. Right now it might be too premature since you have a team of a lot of young guys. But I will say the addition of Greg Monroe really has not been what they thought it would. They were one of the best defensive teams last year. Now this year they're one of the worst. So they've actually taken a step back in terms of team dynamics. Zaza Pachulia did a lot more than we thought he did, in all honesty, on that team last year. Yeah, Zaza's killing it for Dallas, by the he way, is. right now. Yeah. So, yeah, and he does. He, he he he's playing the role that's missing out of this group, which is glass cleaner. I don't want a shot. You know what I mean? I'm going to play my defense. I'm going to guard my my man well, set some great screens, and you know, get ten boards, which you know, Greg Monroe can do, but he also wants to you know shoot um, to you know to his heart's content there on offense, and you know, at, to the detriment of the team. Uh, there as well, which is why I said, "Hey, you know, get John Henson in there because you need one. You need a guy who doesn't want shots in, right. to, in your starting lineup, and everybody wants shots in that lineup right now. So that that's a problem uh, overall. So that that's the way I, I, I see it shaking out overall. I think we should probably, you know, not make this the uh, Bucks Football Podcast Part Two. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on the Bucks here overall, but um, we we can talk about um, you know the second best team in the league, Sacramento Kings." Let's do it. <laughs> Dallas Mavericks get a nice double overtime win. So gross. And, of course, you've seen it by now. Darren Williams, a little step-back three jumper for the win. He plays 43 minutes last night. So does Dirk. So does Wes Matthews. Chandler Parsons still only played 29 minutes. But those other three guys I mentioned, a couple of old ones, Wesley Matthews coming off that Achilles. Looks like they're raring to go. So no worries about that as the season progresses. One thing I'll ask you before we dive into the actual box score, did you see where Rondo actually kicked Darren Williams from the bench during a play? <laughs> did you see that? No, but I love it. Uh, I love so, it. Yeah, love so, so Darren much. Williams was just on the side of the court in front of the Kings bench. He catches the ball, and then he goes in for a drive, and as he's kind of pivoting to go in towards the hoop, Rondo just kicks him in the foot. That's it. Like it just kicks him in the foot from the. I mean, that's a suspension right there. I'm, he, I don't know. It's just, just like, come on, dude. What are you doing? Rondo it's is so funny. Dude, Rondo is everything as advertised. Okay, he's not a nice guy. All right, he's not a good guy. He's he is he is a team guy for you know for 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 that aspect too. But like, you're not gonna go up to Rondo and he's not gonna win like Man of the Year or something like that. Or see him like when you see those like global NBA commercials, they're never using Rondo ever okay <laughs> i was like just yeah just that's just what he is what he is he's a, a great player on the court but like as a person uh you know probably on the scale one ten, somewhere below five for sure just not a lot of value added in life personally you could just see that happening on the court there as well we've talked about this off and on air so yeah you know yeah i i have to love him because he's a sacramento king i would probably you know, wouldn't be like one of the top five people that I hate in the NBA if he was not playing for Sacramento. But yeah. having said that, you know, um, I'm ready to just, you know, to love him to death because he plays awesome. And by the way, what's the sick part here is if Rondo plays, Dallas probably loses. They played so bad in this game. Uh, they, they're like Sacramento Kings, they could have put the Sacramento Kings away if Dirk would have ever made a shot um, there as well. Or if, you know, Darren Carlson and, and Seth Curry didn't make bad decisions in the fourth quarter, even though they, DeMarcus Cousins held that entire game together. He was like, I'm going to will them to, uh, um, a three. Did you watch that game by the way at all? 
No, I caught the highlights, obviously. I mean, I will say that when you're looking at the box scores, you have to throw the box scores out in a double overtime game. But yep. Cousins did have 35 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 deals a block, 10 turnovers, which hurts you on the DraftKings DFS side of things. But, I mean, really, I mean, Cousins was, was getting so much run on Twitter last night, and obviously he does quite a bit. But he seems to be, you know, more jovial. He's yeah. producing very well. Um, Rudy Gay, though, well, actually, last night, 31 points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal. He's coming around. But considering mm-hmm. that the Kings didn't have Caspi with a back injury, Willie Cauley-Stein has another finger injury. It's adjacent to his open dislocation that he had uh, recently. He had to get a couple of stitches. I think he'll be back in a couple of days or something like that. Rajon Rondo, back spasms. I mean, the Kings are playing really well. They beat the Thunder last or two nights ago now. Obviously, they didn't have KD, but um, yeah, no, I to answer your question in the longest form possible, no, I didn't watch the game last night. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, see, how long can DJ stall before he answers it? He's like, I was well, I had a bus drink. I was like, first of all, we went to the grocery store. And you won't yeah. believe what was on sale in the in the produce aisle. Crap I mean, cakes. they had yeah. the persimmons, and it's not even in season. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Um, but no, the Rudy Gay had the play of the game, and it didn't pan out too. But like, so uh, they're going back and forth into double overtime, and the ball gets kicked out to Rudy Gay, and like Zaza's guarding him, and it was like questionable as to whether he should take the three. He is technically open; he has a fire it right away. He fires it, he hits it, and he stares at the rim for like ten seconds. After he hits the shot, like he looks like, you know, like that was supposed to be the dagger right there. And then Dirk hit that stupid step back uh, three to bring them within. As he always uh, does. Yeah. And that was well defended by Cousins, too. So hats off to him. But I want but the one thing I wanted. This isn't fantasy related at all. We're just talking basketball here, which is kind of what we do sometimes. But Darren Carlson kills me. Absolutely kills me. He had some horrible, horrible possessions. Uh, there as well. And uh, Marco Bellinelli blew this in one spot in the single overtime. He cuts to the hole and he has like an open lane. He could shoot like an eight footer or or float the ball from just just inside the free throw line. But he kicks it back out so he so the ball can go to Cousins. So Cousins can take the last last shot and Cousins misses it or turns it over. One of the two. I was like, that was the game winner, Bellinelli. You're one of the best shooters on the team. Bellinelli shot like crap, you know, 5 of 17 from the field. Um, But like, it was like just like him completely deferring to the best player on the team when he had the winner to take. So that was brutal. The other thing too in double overtime is Darren Carlson, um, they, he gets the ball at the end of the shot clock, which I don't understand because he's not a good guy who has like like shooting like fadeaways or off the dribble or shots. That's Rudy Gay. You need to give the ball to Rudy Gay or give it to Cousins there if you want somebody to take a tough shot. Darren Carlson's not the guy. He airballs the last possession in double OT, which um, lets them take the ball out of bounds. Now, if the ball would have came off the rim or something like that, then the the Kings have a chance for a rebound or something else like that. And then the game is just over instead of giving them 2.8 or whatever for them to, you know, set up and, and shoot uh, that ball. And instead he airballs and the ball goes out of bounds. And then Dallas has, you know, the, the time they need to set up that play, which, you know, Darren Williams ices it. So I wanted to vomit on Darren Carlson once again for blowing this game. He's he's done this so many times where he's like turned the ball in really stupid spots, like with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And this is basically the equivalent of that in shooting an air ball with a shot clock running down with two seconds left and letting them get the sideline out of bounds, which ended up costing them the game. So you're right. There's my Kings rant for you. Yeah, you're right. This podcast is not Bucksketball Part 2. This is the Kings podcast, baby. I forgot. I don't know what I was thinking about. This is the Sacramento Kings podcast on Wednesdays. Thank you. Um, 
anyway, they're coming around. They're good. 14 and 21, 5 and 12 away from home. Um, should have won this game for they sure. Should, they probably should have won this game. You're right. Um, Minus two starters. Too yeah, I mean that shows you how far they've come. But this is typical Kings too, by the way, is to like find a way to blow some game that they should have won on the road against a tough team. So it's good in some ways. It some things have changed, some things that have are staying the same. The difference is is they actually have depth to still play. Normally, like last season or seasons before, Kings would just got housed if they're if they were missing a start or two because they had you know. You know, but Darren Carlson's a viable guy when he's not airballing shots in double OD. So, um, but aside from that, if we, we, I don't think we need to learn too much from this box score overall. Right. The, Darren Williams is back. You're rolling with him. You know, um, nothing to really learn on the Kings side. You like all the guys that you own that you're de- you're definitely playing. You still hate Ben McMore. You know, Bellinelli can be useful in spots. The one thing I had a question for DFS that uh, you know our coworker Benny Ritardi asked me too is like, where do you use Bellinelli, and what's the key to whether or not Bellinelli is uh, is viable in DFS? Because he played 43 minutes. Obviously, this is double OT here. But the way you can tell here is if Rajon Rondo is scratched, then that means extra minutes for Marco Bellinelli because what they have to do is start Darren Collison. And um, that and what they were doing previously, or you know, George Carl was, was rolling Darren Collison and Rajon Rondo on the court together down the stretch in fourth quarters, which is why you always see Ben Mathemore show up with ugly minutes per game lines here, like 18 minutes in a double OT game. Um, even though, and the, So that still happened. They actually played Seth Curry's 36 minutes, so they just don't trust him a lot. But... When Darren Carlson gets shifted into the main point guard role and Rajon Rondo's out of the lineup, they can't play that double point guard set, which means they get to give more minutes to Marco Bellinelli because, like I said, they don't trust or like Ben Lackmore that much. So you'll see an uptick in minutes for DFS purposes or daily streaming in your season-long leagues with Marco Bellinelli for however long Rajon Rondo is out. When he comes back, then it's back to status quo, and then you're going to get that 18 to 23, 25-minute-per-game from Marco Bellinelli that you had been previously, and he won't be attractive for, as attractive for DFS. Last game of the night, let's talk about a very, very good team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. They lose last night to the Golden State Warriors, 109 to 88. Let's focus on these Lakers. Man, they've been tanking better than anyone ever thought they would. GM has come out recently and said, you know what? We can't move on until Kobe has moved on, and that works out well for them because they're tanking and it's kind of obvious now and they're geniuses for it. I mean, at first I was like, this is absolutely absurd what they're doing. And now my thought has evolved into thinking that the Lakers, like they have been in many years past are geniuses and they are. Yeah. Yeah. This, they, they are geniuses. And you know what? They, they're they like Under Armour. We must protect this house. You know, they got that pick where if they, 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 they they're too good, they're probably going to lose it, I believe, if I am right. Right, so the, it's it's top three protected. So they need to be um, in. The, they need to finish in the top three spots in the lottery or bottom right. three, however you look at it, in yes. order for it not to go to Philadelphia. However, as Nick mentioned, um, if it's you know if they get the benefit of the doubt this year, then it it's unprotected next year right. to to Philadelphia. So either way, they're going to lose it this year, next year. Uh, it appears based on how terrible they are that they really want to have it this year, have a chance at Ben Simmons. Yeah, exactly. You definitely it's, it is the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, but they they've got already they already have too many wins and right now. I mean, I don't know if Philly's going to get eight wins, so they're going to have to get lucky with some lottery balls here. But you know what? They're doing all the right things that you want to do when you're in full tank mode. You get twenty medal piece, twenty five minutes. There Air as toss, well. nineteen minutes. He's a thirty two yeah. year old rookie. How did we not look at that acquisition in the off season and realize they were tanking back then? I mean, now exactly. it's just. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, you know, Tariq Black gets in the mix here. The only thing they did wrong 
was um, only giving Nick Young 15 minutes. You know, you got to get him up there in the 20 plus minute range here. 0 for 6 from the field. 0 for 6, 0 for 3 from the field, you know, three turnovers. He could have done so much more for you, could have provided so much for value. Hibbert did his job, though. That was nice. 1 of 7. They're minus 30 in the plus minus. You definitely like that. You know, play 23 minutes, but only get five rebounds. Uh, All of them are defense, so you're never trying to get an offensive rebound there as well. The only person who's like a ray of hope, Anthony Brown, (laughs) plays 32 minutes. Okay, we we couldn't have figured out a way how to just play Julius Randle some extra minutes. Or you know what I mean here? Let's 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 keep Julius Randle in the doghouse. The one of the most laughable things I heard too, by the way, I I don't know if you caught this here, but in that 20 point blowout win where they went anti tank mode um, against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Byron Scott comes out and rips Julius Randle for um, lack of defense in a 20-point yep. blowout win. He was like, um, the main thing here with Julius Randle is guard your man. You know, He says, guard your man. I was like, do you want to think about maybe picking a loss or some other point here you know, other than a 20-point win you know, against the Phoenix Suns to rip Julius Randle when he's like hands, heads and shoulders above Larry Nash? Jr. in terms of talent. I'll give Larry Nash Jr. some credit here. He has like played fairly well in, in starters minutes, so he's like developing, which is weird because you wouldn't think they're even trying to do that if they're going to go full tank mode. Um, they're certainly not trying to develop Julius Randle, and you know they they were, looked like they were going to ride or die with D'Angelo Russell, and then all of a sudden they're giving thirty plus you know minutes to Lou Williams there. So as well. so who knows what the full strategy is overall, but he's the one guy who's actually getting some development and doesn't actually deserve it. Cause we all know that Julius Randall is much more talented. So, um, oh, there you have it. There's, it's, there's it's, a- it's a crazy, crazy dynamic. I mean, you could write a whole book about what's going on right now. Um, I will say for whatever reason, Scott is just absolutely tearing down Randall. Like he's trying, I don't know if he's just trying to like strip him away of, uh, maybe he had a, a bunch of confidence or unhealthy confidence or he was gloating or what, but he is trying to tear that man down. So not only did the move to the bench do that, but you know, D'Angelo Russell moved to the bench with him as well. And then for some reason, just out of thin air, Scott says, you know what? Uh, Russell's going to move back into the starting lineup before Randall ever will. So until Russell moves to the starting lineup, just assume Randall will always come off the bench. Like, where do you get off saying that? Like, why do you need to tell that to the media? I don't know. There's obviously something very fishy going on between Mr. Byron Scott and Mr. Julius Randall. Um, it's, it's just, this season is a wash right now. Let me say this though, Josh, You've got rookie Larry Nance who's starting, rookie Anthony Brown who's starting, second-year man Julius Randle, and then you have rookie D'Angelo Russell. Out of those four, if you were in a dynasty league, a true dynasty league, you can only keep one, who would you take? And you could never have the other three at any other point. Which one of those four are you taking? Was Julius Randle in the mix there or not in the mix? Yes, most definitely. Randle for sure. Randall for well, sure. let's go ahead and rank them. So would we say Randle, Russell, Russell, Nance, Brown? Yeah, right. Okay. Brown is probably not even going to be like a rotation guy in all honesty. Like, he could get unless, dropped at some point next year. And yeah, he's starting okay. playing 32 minutes against the Warriors last night. Yeah, he's to me, you know, like what can Brown for you do for you? Not much in <laughs> Dynasty or, or, or C. Strong <laughs> is the answer there. So Not much. Not much. Uh, we don't really need to stress on the Warriors too much. Um, this is going to be a short pod today. Um, Harrison Barnes back. Yeah. Harrison Barnes back. That's nice. <laughs> obviously, he's going to move into the starting lineup at some point. Brandon Rush will move to the bench. But you know what? You know what Rush has done for you since starting? Not much. Not much at all. 
So yeah. it's not somebody that you've been playing really whatsoever. Barnes becomes valuable again. You're assuming if he when and if he moves back into to the starting lineup, and of course he will eventually. Anything else you'd like to say about these four games before we move into some breaking news that's happened today, early this Wednesday morning, Josh? Um, you might want to check out the uh, looks like what's promises to be an epic rant from um steven jackson here's the highlight here oh i did see i was on 120 sports right yeah yeah he's the worst communicator for young guys is the quote from from michael (laughs) kim and steven jackson you gotta love it you gotta love it we just got finished ripping it and our own buddies at 120 sports handling business with steven jackson there yeah awesome check that out at sb nation or just check the 120 sports uh, uh feed there uh, was tweeted out yesterday at like late yesterday, eight thirty seven p.m. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. great stuff if, by Steven Jackson. If guy nothing else, understands what we're talking about. <laughs> if nothing else, just like go look for just two seconds to see his Skype setup. He's basically <laughs> on a sofa wearing a plaid collared shirt, just railing on. <laughs> Just, it's so funny. Anyways, all right, let's go into some breaking news here, Josh. Real quick before we do that, I'm basically just reading off the breaking news notes that we have on rotowire.com. If you'd ever like to check that out for yourself, feel free to do so. We have a free 10-day trial. All you have to do is go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's rotowire.com forward slash pod. If you have any other questions about that, feel free to hit me or Josh up on Twitter. Like I said, our handles will be in the show notes. Let's jump into it, Josh. Um, Hilario, as I like to call him, confirmed following team shoot around Wednesday that he'll play against the Cavaliers. So Nene, of course. Um, what does this do for Gortat's value? Uh, I'm not too worried about him overall. I think Nene is going to be a guy that's going to probably affect like Chris Humphreys. So Humpyard Dog is a, is a guy who maybe takes a step back, but because they need Gortat to play that role. And and um, whenever they try to force Nene like into like a big big man body position here or play some center minutes there, he's not a good rim defender, you know. So and and Gortat is. Uh, so I, I think I'm I'm fine. I think it's probably unchanged with Gortat overall, and you just really need to worry about the power forward position, which was ugly to begin with. You didn't like it for DFS or season long, and if it becomes a 20 minute minute split between him and Hump or anybody else, then you know you know status quo is is what I have there. All right, moving on then. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is out for Wednesday's game against the Jazz to rest. So we'll just go ahead and say David West, Boris Diaw, will probably see an uptick in minutes. What I'm more concerned about is, oh no, Josh, oh no, we talked about this a couple pods ago. Um, Aldridge is just right in line with every other Spurs player that's played under Pop for the last 15 years in that he's never going to have like a massive breakout performance. I don't think we're going to see that trailblazer Aldridge that we used to see. Are you still up the, are you still in the line of thinking that eventually they're going to start relying on him more in the offensive side of things? Um, I'm getting a little disappointed here overall from Marcus Aldridge. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, he just hasn't really, uh, maybe I think you may have just read this right, more right than I had. He came up with a couple good performances that gave me some, some excitement level, you know what I mean? 24 points against Houston and then 21 against Phoenix. They're all, but you know, they've been housing teams uh, for, for them for the most part. And he, he hasn't, um, you know, really had to do a ton of damage overall. So I, I, I don't know what they need because this looks like a, just a well-oiled machine where you, you know, you could un- unplug five, plug in the next five and they still win. And I mean, they're to me like a giant, huge threat, maybe, maybe even a bigger threat than the Cavs to whether or not the, the Golden State Warriors repeat this year. It was an absolute monster team. 
yep, uh, right and, now. Yeah, and it's seeming like Aldridge, for where he was likely drafted in most drafts out there, he was overdrafted considering he's only averaging just under 16 points, under nine rebounds, uh, one block. And so, um, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then in my case. Uh, but who knows? You never know. They could rely on him if you get a couple injuries. I will say, though, that he has only scored more than 20 points um, nine times out of his 34 appearances this season. Obviously, that was ludicrous if you look at you know the last few years in Portland. I do still think, Josh, and I think we kind of agreed on this maybe somewhat, that in the playoffs, maybe Pop will just turn a 180, and we'll see the Aldridge of old, and we'll see something like that. Although, like you, like you astutely noted, they're a well-oiled machine, and they're I mean, they're a tough team right now as it is. Aldridge doesn't even need to score more than 26 points a night for them to win the majority of the time. Moving forward with this breaking news, Nicholas Batum with that toe injury has been ruled out for Wednesday's game against the Sun. Does that benefit Jeremy Lin more or does that benefit Jeremy Lamb more? Uh, I think Jeremy Lin uh, because the, he, we saw that he was the one who got elevated into start with uh, Nick Batum um, uh, you know, battling whatever injury he had. Right. Was it? Yep. Was it hamstring? Was that my uh, right? Batum is dealing with like a toe sprain. But he, the okay. funny thing is that he, you know, out of the last eight games, he's played with the sprain f- like six out of the last eight, but more recently he's not playing with it. So it's been an ongoing issue with him. Yeah. So for me, Jeremy Lin is the guy you, you want the guy who's going to get into the starting lap and play starter minutes. And Jeremy Lin knows how to play some two guard overall, even though he, you know, has been a point guard his entire career. He does well in, in, in some of those spots there. And um, the Charlotte Hornets. Have, uh, have have done well with some of the big games that Lynn has had. So, but it looks like I think the Batum for the latest information is he's going to try to play. So you're going to have to take it down to like game time lock for DFS purposes or or, or whatever. And for like Batum season long, Batum is out. Josh, he's been ruled oh, out. Oh, has he been ruled out? Yeah, I already thought, ruled I saw, out. Sorry. Did you see the the previous piece of news that said he got upgraded from questionable or from doubtful to questionable? Uh, so it just did a complete 180 there overall. Uh, I have ruled out, and right now on the website we have ruled out. It looks like the all right. Um, well, I'm not going to question RotoWire's information because that's the best in the industry. And as we said, this, that it's the information that we um, that is used by DraftKings and a lot of other sites um, like ESPN uses them for their season long injury feeds updates. So um, my bad. No, that, so. oh, no worries. I will say, Josh, the cool thing, um, and it's cool that we got into this predicament, the cool thing about Rotowire is we're not just coming up with this stuff out of thin air. We have a source for every single injury that we have. So right. I'm, just, I'm looking at the source right now. It's just a hyperlink on the update. Um, looks like Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte's, Charlotte Hornets PR today at about 9.13 a.m. Central Time tweeted out that he will be out so uh, Lynn is also probable with a right ankle, but he's probably going to start. Lamb is actually, well, probable as well with a hip contusion, right wrist issue. But I agree with you that Lynn is probably the better play, especially if he's going to start, which he has done in the past when Batum has sat. Uh, Damari Carroll, sad news here, will undergo arthroscopic surgery on his right knee uh, right now, as we speak, he's undergoing that surgery. There's no timetable for his return, but you got to think arthroscopic surgery probably out for at least three to four weeks at the minimum would you say josh yeah probably there as well and so you're gonna get some tyson ross games that you don't like but get some extra minutes you might get some james johnson uh, mr Necktat up in the house there so he's gonna tease you with some fancy games that you're gonna be excited about then you're gonna roster him then you're gonna hate life and you're gonna be like why did i roster this guy <laughs> so, so 
Yeah, James Jones has already been announced, as you said, uh, very astutely. Again, astutely is the word of the day. Um, James Johnson, sorry. James Johnson will get the start in place of Carroll tonight. Um, but Terrence Ross is a three-point hound. That guy is really good from beyond the arc. He's going to see some minutes as well. But unless you're in the deepest of leagues, those guys are just going to share share minutes, and it won't be one guy assuming all of the minutes completely. Uh, Kevin Durant has been upgraded to questionable for Wednesday's game against the Grizzlies. Now, I said earlier today I was on XM Show, on RotoWire's XM Show, and I said, you know, in the past – when Kevin Durant is on the court, he usually plays a full workload of minutes. You don't get any of this funny business like Derrick Rose where he'll just play 14 minutes that night after coming off an injury. When Kevin Durant is on the court, I usually expect him to play at least 30 minutes a night. Have you noticed that trend too? I noticed um, you know, he's, he's hit, taken a little hit here on DraftKings on his price because of this toe injury. But if he's playing tonight, is he somebody that you're using on all facets? Yeah, I think it's he's uh, you know like obviously you would play him in season long there. I don't know if I really like want to play against Memphis per se um, in, in this spot. But having said that, it's not going to be like Tony Allen defense. It's probably going to be somebody like uh, Matt Barnes or you know, Jeff Green for that's going to get him uh, you know caught up in the matchup one on one. So I'm fine. He's you know borderline matchup proof. Uh, for me, and like you said, they don't really limit him. So if you want to use him for whatever reason, I think you can use him. But you could probably pick a better spot defensively uh, overall than Memphis, you know, who likes to play slow pace. So that's the only thing I, I will say about that. Having said that, too, if you're going to make astutely the word of the day, like <laughs> I should at least be able to be like, um, you know, can I get the um, uh, language can I get of the, origin? Yeah, the place of origin. Can I get? Uh, can you use it in a sentence, please? Oh, I've done that quite well. Too often already. Twice in one pod is is too often. I well, I'm just like if we're gonna, if there's gonna be some some word contest about that. I just feel like I should be able to use my my lifelines, like the kids do on the spelling bee. So. <laughs> All right, fair. Enough. Well, maybe work it into some future pods. Just a couple of quick uh, things on Durant from my side of or my perspective, Memphis. You know, we like to think of them as having one of the best defenses in the league, and they have over maybe the last five years. But this year, they're actually not that good. They're the middle of the road. And so um, they're not really that scary to begin with. Last time out, uh, Kevin Durant himself has faced Memphis once this year. He put up 32 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. And I will say that barring the game against Washington where he got hurt and was forced to miss about seven games, he's never played less than 28 minutes at all this season. So if he's playing, he'll be out there, according to past, at least 28 minutes. Uh, So let's look at last note here of the day. Emmanuel Moutier, uh, with that ankle injury, will make his return to action Wednesday night against Minnesota. Of course, uh, a potential rookie of the year candidate that's not the, not the case anymore. Is he valuable in season-long leagues to you? Is he a DFS consideration tonight despite his ability to turn the ball over better than anybody else in the league? He is just because starting guards are like almost in every league. So, I mean, he's like at least ownable almost everywhere down to like 10-team leagues unless there's some starting point guards sitting out there on the wire, which I doubt any league 10 team and above would have. So yes, he is. And he needs to develop and he has like a, you know, a skill set that's valuable. And I think Mike Malone, um, 
you know, has to be like semi committed to him on some level because they've been playing worse basketball as of late with him out of the lineup. And, you know, you definitely like for overall upside, you have, Mike Malone has to know that they're not playing for anything really this season. There is also, you know, only thing you can do is do the best thing to develop Moutier. And that's probably, you know, giving him playing time. Having said that, he continues to bring Will Barton off the bench, even though he's playing starter ish minutes there as well, which still blows my mind is like, take your best player and, you know, treat him like Jason Terry. I was just like, uh, I, I hate that philosophy, although it worked for Jason Terry. You know what I mean? Just to keep your best guy in the court, please, please. So he can make more plays. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Moutier. I, 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 if I saw him on the wire in any of my leagues, I'd pick him up. All right. Fair enough. So 12 game absence for Moutier will come to an end this Wednesday. Um, and what that means for the other guards, Jameer Nelson won't be seeing as many minutes. Randy Foy, he always goes on a little tear every season, but he's never worthy of being picked up really whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, that that's the breakdown there. If I'm going to contribute to that Barton uh, conversation because it is interesting – like you said, Josh, continues to come off the bench. Gallinari is seeing way more minutes. There's been two games since Gallinari has been back. Gallinari is seeing way more minutes, more production. Barton is just back into that six-man scoring role, I guess, and I agree that he probably is the best player on the Nuggets. He's better than Fareed, Gallinari. Right now, it's it's pretty equal. I mean, Gallinari has much a much bigger body of work than Barton does. We've seen lots of players go on tangents like this. I mean... Heck, Jeremy Lin had a similar tangent. And so I'm not ready to say that Barton is the face of the Nuggets for the next five years, but I will say the guy should be starting at least. Yeah, I agree with you, like, obviously, 1,000%. So we'll see how long it takes Mike Malone to figure that out. Yeah. So uh, fantasy football may be winding down, but DraftKings.com, of course, is not messing around. They still have lots of basketball content on there. If you're starting to shy away from football, come over to the dark side. Let's play some basketball on DFS. Head over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE or ROTOHOOPS for a free contest entry today. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Once again, enter ROTOWIRE for a free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Uh, Josh, do you have any surprises for me before we go, or are we all done here? I think we're good. I just want to say um, good luck to you and your DFS tonight. Um, good luck on NBA TV, although you don't need it. You've been doing an excellent job. I've been DVRing, so I'm, I'm with you there, 1,000%. And um, good luck with the groupies as well. <laughs> all right. Way to, way to put a nice, neat bow on this. Bring it around home. Uh, once again, you can find myself, Trainer DJ, on Twitter. You can find Josh at Josh Have. Josh Hayes, uh, Josh Hayes FS, Josh Hayes FS. There we go. Make sure I want to get it right. It's in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us on the RotoWire Wednesday basketball podcast. See ya. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. 
Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 